You are listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Assembly, Sedalia, Missouri. Thank you for tuning in. For more information about the church, you can reach us at www.bethelassembly.info. Let me just ask this question. Anybody else in the house ever have baggage in your life? Yeah, you've got stuff that, that you just carry around with you, stuff that, that weighs you down, things that, that you really want to get rid of, but for some reason or another, you've, you've gotten really comfortable with it, and for some reason or other, it really just become a part of your life, and you, you strap it on every day. It almost identifies who you are. It defines you as a person. You don't really like it, but you don't know another way out. Yes? That's not how we're called to live. You see, we're called to live a free life. The, the Bible says that, that Jesus came into this world so that we could have life and have it more abundantly. To have a rich, full, satisfying life. Yet for some reason or another, we, we allow the, the things of the enemy, we allow the things of the world, we allow the, the discouragements and the frustrations and the doubts and all of these things that we come across in life, we allow them to dictate what happens in our life. And for some reason or another, we find ourselves carrying around all of this baggage, weighing us down to the point that we just want to give up. Have you been there before? In and through this series, we're going to talk about some of the baggage that we experience in life. We're going to talk about finances. Did you know that's the biggest struggle in marital relationships is finances? We're going to look at what the Bible has to say about what you do and what you should do with the monies that you receive. We're going to talk about depression. And I talked to somebody just this week and they, they were saying, you know, I used to battle with depression, and, and I tried to deny that I was battling with depression because I thought, as a Christian, I shouldn't be battling with depression because if I'm battling with depression, that means that I'm not really living the free life, and so I'm doing something wrong as a Christian, so I just denied that it was there. Let's just be real. Depression is real. We're going to talk about depression. How do we face that as a Christian? What about Addiction. Man, it was Paul himself that said, I, I do the things that I know, I know that I shouldn't do. I know that I shouldn't do that, but for some reason or another, I do them anyway. There are these addictions in life, and I'm not just talking about drugs and alcohol. Yes, those are major issues, especially in our society today. But man, there's so many other things that rank up as addiction. Food. Work. People-pleasing. Pornography. The list goes on and on. What does the Bible have to say about addiction? Well, I'll tell you what it has to say. We're called to live free and, and travel light. We're not called to be bound by that sin and that, and that addiction that we're fra- faced with each and every day. We're going to process through some of those things. But we're going to wrap up this series in a few weeks. And, and the, title that we're gonna, the topic we're going to look at the final week is religion. Did you know that some of us are just bombarded and carrying around a baggage of religion? See, we're not called to live a religious life. And I have people all the time tell me, oh, pastor, yeah, you know, I know I'm going to heaven because I'm a religious person. Well, there's a lot of religion hanging around the cross that crucified Jesus. That's not what we're called to live. We're called to live with that personal relationship with him. That's the life that's going to help you to live free and, and travel lights. 
Our text today is this, Luke chapter 6, verse 27. It says, but to you who are willing to listen. Wow, well, that kind of narrows down the, the batch there, doesn't it? How many of us this morning, don't answer this, but how many of us this morning are willing to really listen? There's a difference between hearing and really listening. You can't help but to hear this morning. You're in this place. You can't help but to hear hear my voice. Why? Because I'm a little boisterous. I'm accused of being loud every now and again. But there's a difference between just hearing and really listening to what's going on. And here the Bible says, but to you who are willing to listen, to you that have a, a desire to listen, I say to you, Love your enemies. Wow, that number that was willing to listen just went down. Well, pastor, I'm really good at loving my wife. I'm doing all right. I'm really good at loving my kids. My kids are the best in the world. I'm really good about loving my parents and my aunts and my uncles and my relatives. I'm really good at loving some of the folks here in the church. But my enemies? But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. Oh, pastor, I'm really good at that praying for those. Man, I'll pray all the time. God, would you get them? I don't really think that's what Luke's talking about here. We'll talk more about that in just a little bit. In this series, we're looking at this idea of baggage. We all have those things that seemingly weigh us down, and for some reason or another, we, we find ourselves embracing that baggage and holding on to that baggage rather than releasing it and really living the free life that God has called us to live. By the way, if you missed last week's message, if you weren't here for some reason, let me encourage you, go back on Facebook and watch the service or grab the the podcast. You can go on the church website and grab the sermon. But I want you to listen to last week's message. It's the groundwork that's going to move us forward over the next several weeks. Baggage. What is baggage? Baggage, according to Merriam-Webster's dictionary, is this. Intangible things. We're going to talk about that word intangible in just a moment. Don't you love when they define a word with a bigger word? Intangible things such as feelings, circumstances, or beliefs that get in the way. So what are intangible things? I looked up the word intangible, and it simply means unable to be touched or grasped. Things that are unable to be touched. Things that we can't really wrap ourselves around, but they still seem to get in the way. Difficult or impossible to define or understand. Those things in life that you just can't quite understand. You have a difficulty grabbing a hold of them, but they still seem to get in the way. What are those areas in your life? What are the areas that for some reason or another you just cannot seem to grasp them? You can't seem to wrap yourself around them, yet for some reason or another, you're covered up to the point that you find it difficult to move forward, to even function in life. You say to yourself, well, I want to follow 
Jesus' instructions. I want to love my enemies as Luke refers to, as as Luke says, I need to do. I want to love my enemies. I want to do good to those that hurt me. But those people, I just don't know how to deal with the difficult people and all the baggage. Yes? For many in the house this morning, that baggage, that thing that seems impossible to grasp, can simply be defined as P-E-O-P-L-E. For those of you that are a little slow in spelling, that spells people. People have become the baggage for so many of us in the house today. So the question that begs to be asked is this. How do we deal with difficult people? Let's face it. Life would be a whole lot easier if it weren't for all the people. Am I right? I mean, there's so much truth into that. Let's just close in prayer. I mean, we got it. Life would be so much easier if we didn't have to face people. Because quite honestly, people are dumb. I mean, that's why the Bible refers to us as sheep. Sheep are dumb. Let's move on. Sure, we have these other things that we have to deal with. But there's always that other person. Maybe it's your husband. Maybe your wife or your children, your co-worker, your friends, your enemies, your neighbor. Whoever it may be, it may even be another person in this building today. They're just a difficult peop- a person to deal with. Many times we have problems with people, and the result is someone gets hurt, the relationship is damaged, or even lost. The fact of the matter is this, the best relationships in the world, the greatest relationship that you have right now has its high moments and its low moments. Yes? Why? Because we're human. Because we say things that we know that we shouldn't say. We do things that we know that we shouldn't do. We argue. We have misunderstandings. We're sometimes inconsiderate. Oh, well, that's just who I am. Well, change who you are. Sometimes we just don't do what's right. But here's what I've discovered. When dealing with difficult people in life is I cannot change them. Did you know that? As much as I want to, as much as I desire to, it is impossible for me to change somebody else. So what do I do? I've got to change myself. I've got to look at what's going on inside of my life. Look at what Luke said again. He says, but I say to you who are willing to listen, those that are willing to really dive in this morning... Love your enemies. It doesn't say for those that are willing to listen. Listen carefully. You need to get them to love you. You need to get them to treat you better. He doesn't say that. He says love those that persecute you. Love those that that hurt you. Love those that do wrong against you. Pray for those. Look at this. He's saying there's some things that you've got to do on the inside of you because you can never change somebody else. 
Here's what I've discovered. Someone once said this. What life does to us depends on what life finds in us. What life does to us, oh, well, pastor, they just hurt me too much. Well, pastor, they caused this to occur in my life. What life does to us depends on what life finds in us. Go with me just a moment. I want you to imagine that life is beginning to dig down inside of you. What are they going to find? What's life going to find in you? You see, the ultimate place to find out what's going on with somebody else is to rub shoulders with them. One of my favorite things to do, I know it's a little ornery, but I love when I'm at Walmart and I see somebody from church or even somebody that I know, and, and I've done this to some of you, so you can testify to this for me. I love to take my cart. <laughs> And I see you up there and you don't see me. I love to take my cart and kind of inch my way up and, and bump you or bump your cart. Because in that moment, I get to see a response. <laughs> and oftentimes, that response goes something like this. Oh, hi, Pastor. How's it going today? What life does to you depends on what life finds in you. Luke chapter 6 verse 45 says this, A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. Did you see a word that's repetitive there? A good man finds good things that are stored up, that are good, that, that are stored in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Now, I'm not negating the fact that people are difficult. I agree with you. But the first place that we've got to start when dealing with difficult people in life, when dealing with the, the baggage that comes from relationships, the first place that we've got to start is with us. For a good man brings good things out of the good that's stored in his heart. So what do you do with this? How do you take the high road when the low road continuously keeps popping up on your GPS? Recalculating, taking to the wrong road. Recalculating, taking to the wrong road. And it feels like your GPS just wants to give up on you. I had that experience this weekend. My GPS, Siri, she's not very nice. So I'm driving down Springfield and we had to take Chandler to Evangel and we're driving down Springfield and heading to the hotel, and I knew about where the hotel was, but I had it in the GPA, uh, GPS just in case, and, and, and I'm driving down National, and she kept wanting me to turn, and I knew that I shouldn't turn yet, so she kept recalculating, but finally I gave in, and I thought, fine, I'll turn, because she apparently knows better, because she has a satellite thing going on, and, and I turn, and she's recalculated several times, but this time, I get into that area, and she says this, in 700 feet. Please stop your vehicle, get out and walk. And I'm like, Siri needs Jesus. That moment that your, your phone just turns on you. 
Some of us feel that life has done that to us. We don't know where to turn, and finally life is just like, just get out and walk. But the Bible says this in Matthew chapter 5. God blesses those that work for peace. You know, sometimes, sometimes we've got to do that. Sometimes we've got to get out of the car and walk. Sometimes we, we've got to take another path to work for peace. I remember when I was early in, in ministry, there was a, a family that really just caused all sorts of flack in my life. A lot of struggle. In my, I could not do anything right in their eyes. And can I just be honest with you? I was really frustrated. And I wanted to pray that prayer that I talked about a moment ago. God, would you just give them? I'm so tired of their attitude. I'm tired of them thinking that they've got the right way. I'm tired of them trying to control what I'm doing. I'm just tired of them. They're baggage on me right now. And I just wanted God to get them. You know what I'm saying? But God quickly reminded me. He said, well, have you really prayed for them? I don't want to. (laughs) I'm just being real with you. I began to pray for that individual. You know, we're now Facebook friends. I mean, you begin to pray for a situation. You pray that God would just, I said, God, would you just bless them? God, God, would you just pour out your love upon them? God, would you turn things around the way that you see fit? Lord, not my plans, not my desires, God, but I want you to take charge of this. God blesses those who work for peace. Work is hard. People are hard. But God will bless you for working toward peace, for they will be called children of God. The problem is oftentimes we run from the blessing because we're looking for revenge. We run from what we know that we should do because we want our own satisfaction. I'll be honest with you. Working toward peace isn't easy. Working toward reconciliation is not easy. It's not simple to digest because oftentimes we've been hurt. Some of you are here this morning. You've got pain in your life because of some relationship that you've gone through. Maybe it's with a friend, maybe it's with a spouse, child, a parent, your boss or a co-worker. The list goes on and on. Maybe it's somebody here in the house today and you even struggled to come to church. Maybe you're listening online today and you just can't bring yourself to church because there's somebody here that you struggle with. I want you to know God hears your hearts. And he says to you, I want to bless you. I want to pour out my spirit upon you. But I need you to start with you before you deal with them. The question is, are we listening this morning? Are we really, really listening? Luke said, for those of you that are listening today, I want you to love one another. So let me very quickly give you three steps to overcoming people problems. Are you ready for this? Number one, keep a clear conscience. 
Keep a clear conscience. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. And by the way, this is a church that is just, they've got everything going for them that they need, but for some reason they find themselves just kind of going down the wrong path and making some wrong choices. There's some people in that church that are doing some things that they know they shouldn't be doing. But he says this, this is what we are proud of. And I can say it with a clear conscience, in everything we have done in the world, and especially with you, Paul says, especially in my dealings with you, we have had an honest and sincere heart. What are we talking about? Doing what is right. Reflecting Jesus. Taking the high road. You see, conscience was a big deal to Paul. He wrote about it to the church in Corinth. 23 times in his writings, he uses this idea of a clear conscience. Now, I think we would all have to agree today that in our culture, there's a battle, a severe battle with a lack of conscience. Here's what I've discovered. Conscience is the window that lets the light in. Listen carefully. Conscience is the window that lets the light in. And if the window gets dirty, then the light becomes dimmer and dimmer. I believe this is the issue in our society. We have allowed the window, our our conscience, to become dirty and, and cloudy and foggy. Therefore, our conscience forms improper standards. No clear view, no clear idea of right and wrong. Your conscience can be your best friend or it can be your worst enemy. It was Paul that wrote to first, in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times some will turn from their true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from the demons. These people are hypocrites and liars and their conscience is, say it with me, dead. Come on, let me read this again. The Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times, and by the way, I believe that we are in the last times... I believe that we are in the last days. What does that mean? I believe that soon and very soon, Jesus is going to come back for us. We see the signs. We see things occurring. We see the prophecies being fulfilled. There's coming a time very soon when Jesus is going to come back, going to receive us to him. But we know that in the last days, there's going to be some things that are happening. Look at this. They will follow deceptive spirits. Anybody know people that are following deceptive spirits? Do not point at them. Deceptive spirits and teachings that come from the demons. They're hypocrites and liars and their conscience is dead. One translation says they've lost their capacity for the truth. Wow, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? Society today will tell you that anything goes, whatever is true for you, that's got to be right. That's got to be okay. But that's not what the Bible shares with us. This is our standard of truth. Everything is based upon and founded upon the very word of God. So what are the results of a clear conscience? Let me give those to you very quickly. You will be more concerned about others than yourself. What does this mean? Well, Jesus was asked once by the Pharisees, some of the religious folks. By the way, they were trying to trap him. And they asked this question, what's the greatest commandment? He said the greatest commandment is this, the Shema, is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. 
But then he goes on to say something very interesting. He says, now the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, this is the same thing that, that we heard Luke talking about a moment ago. To those that are willing to listen, love your enemies, love those that hurt you, pray for those that persecute you. And now Jesus here is saying the greatest commandment is love God, but equally important to that is love your neighbor as yourself. And then in Philippians chapter 2, the Bible says this, don't uh, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Wow, that's countercultural. Society will tell you, do everything you can for you because you deserve the best. Have it your way. Whatever you want, it's all about you. Don't worry about anybody else. Promote you. Whoever you have to step on, do it to get to the top. Whatever you need to do to rise to the occasion. It's all about you. You are the superstar. Last time I checked, the world doesn't revolve around any of us. But do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count ourselves, count others more significant than ourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Look out for those around you. But people, man, people are just, love your neighbor. Do good to those that hurt you. Pray for those who persecute you. You see, if you've got a clear conscience, you're going to be more concerned about those around you, but also your motives are going to be sincere. We just read it, read it ago, a moment ago. Paul says, this is what we are proud of. I say it with a clear conscience in everything we have done in the world, especially with you. We have an honest and sincere heart from God. He says, our motives are pure. We're, we're on the right track. We're moving in the right direction. Everything we do is done not so that we can receive glory, not so that we can receive any praise, but to give God glory to promote others for what he's called us to do. Paul didn't make his plans carelessly. His motives were very pure. And I ask you today, are your motives pure? In your connection with people, in your connection with others, are your motives pure? Now, listen carefully. I didn't say perfect. Because we all have those days. Monday happens tomorrow. We all have those moments. But I ask you, are your motives pure? This is difficult when dealing with, with people. But Paul demonstrates that that's the heart that comes from God. Remember, God is defined as love. Yes, God is love. Are your motives pure? Are your motives sincere? Number three, you will want to do the right thing. Hebrews chapter 13 says this, we are sure that we have a clear conscience because we always want to do the right thing. You cannot, listen carefully, you cannot glorify God and practice deception at the same time. Listen carefully. You cannot, 
You cannot give praise and glory and honor to God and practice deception at the same time. If you do, you violate your conscience, you erode your character, and eventually the truth will come out. By the way, if you've got a clear conscience, you're not going to try to manipulate people. Do everything you can to lift someone, other, someone else up. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. Do nothing out of conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourself. See, our first step is we've got to have a clear conscience. In dealing with difficult people, make sure your conscience is clear. Number two, have a compassionate heart. Okay, let's be real. Being compassionate to a difficult person it's so hard. Yes? So how do we do that? We give it to God. We, we let God take control. And in those moments that you want to step up, you simply say, God, I'm about to blow a gasket right now. And God, I need your help. The battle's not mine, God. Well, I'm not battling this on my own. This is not my struggle. God, you've already got this. I'm turning this over to you, God. I, I, want, I want to move forward with you, God. I want to have a compassionate heart like you, God. I want to lift others up, God. I don't want to look out for my own interest, God. But I want to give you the praise. And God, I want to give you the glory. And God, I want to give you the honor. God, I want to represent you well. Because by the way, if you call yourself a Christian, you are a representative of Christ. We're a disciple of Christ. Our desire, our heart's cry, should become more and more and more like God. Amen? Amen. So I decided, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 2, Paul says, I've decided that I would not bring you grief with another painful visit. <laughs> For if I caused you grief, who will make me glad? Certainly not someone I have grieved. Paul says, there's a situation going on. See, it's pretty obvious here that Paul is concerned about people. He's concerned about the ones he's writing to, in this case, the, the church in Corinth. There's this man in the church that had caused Paul some problems. This guy had, had questioned and even challenged Paul's authority. And, and quite honestly, Paul's a pretty type A driven personality guy. And this guy is up challenged almost in his face type of attitude. And Paul says, I don't want to come back in this moment, but here's what I want to do. I want to kind of speak some words of truth into your life. Let's look at what Paul reveals about a compassionate heart. A compassionate heart will put others first. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? We just talked about that. He did not think on his own feelings. But he thought first of the feelings of others. In fact, in verse 4 of chapter 2, Paul says, I wrote this letter in great anguish. Now, honestly, in his flesh, if he would have just gone on his own Paul flesh, then Paul had the personality that Paul would have just walked in the room and said, Dude, bring it. Yes? But in this moment, he desired to represent Christ well. So he says, as I'm writing this letter to you, as I'm, I'm sending you these, these words of encouragement and instruction, as I'm pinning this letter, it's being done in, 
in anguish, with a troubled heart, and he goes on to say, with many tears. Genuine love always considers the feelings of others and seeks to put the good above everything else. See, a compassionate heart is going to put others first. Number two, a compassionate heart will seek to help others grow. Even though there's hurt, our desire should be to help others grow. Paul did not mention the man's name, but Paul told the church to discipline him for his own good. Well, pastor, I thought it was for his good. Well, listen carefully. Discipline administered with compassion will develop positive characteristics. Discipline administered with anger develops negative characteristics. Take a look at this. Put it up on the screen if you would, please. Discipline administered with compassion will develop positive characteristic. Discipline administered with anger develops negative characteristics. Have we all experienced that before? There's a huge difference between discipline and punishment. The latter is more of a punishment. The first, discipline, that's instruction. We're to seek to help others grow. Number three, forgive and encourage. In verse number 10, he says, when you forgive, when you forgive. In other words, I'm expecting you to forgive. Well, pastor, you don't know how much they hurt me. No, I don't know. But I know the Bible says that we are to forgive just as God has forgiven us. In the same way that we forgive, that's the forgiveness we'll receive. Guys, that's hard. But you know, if we turn it to God, if we give it to Him, then God can take charge. Paul urged the church family, he urged the church in Corinth to forgive this man and to begin the rebuilding process. It's not just for his sake, the the man's sake, but for theirs as well. But let me just be honest with you. Sometimes, sometimes there's got to be the separation in the relationship. Sometimes if there is a toxic relationship, don't keep returning to that which is toxic. Listen carefully. You forgive and you move on. And carefully, sometimes like, well, if I'm really going to forgive, then I've got I've to reconcile this. We've got to be best chums. No, I don't believe that's the case. Forgive. Pray for them. Pray that God will pour out his spirit upon them. But remove yourself from the toxic situation. By the way, if there's, unforgive, if there's an unforgiving spirit in your life, You're giving Satan a platform from which he can operate. He's going to continue to bring that back up. He's going to continue to to nudge you with that that unforgiveness. He's going to continue to to bring up that situation with attempts to derail you, to take you off the course which God's called you to be on. Number three. So what do we have? Number one, keep a clear conscience. Number two, have a compassionate heart. 
And number three, have a conquering faith. Have a conquering faith. By the way, if you go to the book of Ephesians chapter 6, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. Paul is writing to the church of Ephesus at this point. And, and here Paul says, you don't fight against flesh and blood. That, that difficult person in your life, that, that situation that you're dealing with, that's really not the battle. Oh, Pastor, you could have fooled me. There's something underlining in that. He says, we don't battle against flesh and blood, but against the, the principalities, the, the evil in this world. Who is that? We fight against Satan. Because Satan doesn't want you to have a relationship with Christ. He will use anything and everything he can to take you off course. In 700 feet, get out of your car and walk. That's what he wants to tell you. But Paul finds it in himself. Even in the midst of the hurt, he says, this guy has he's hurt me. He said, he's caused issue in the church. He's hurt the church. But when you forgive him, and now in verse 14, he says, Now thanks be to God, who always leads us, here it is, say it with me, to triumph. Come on, say it with me, to triumph in Christ. But thanks be to God that no matter what I'm going through, no matter what I'm facing in life, no matter what direction I'm heading, no matter how difficult the relationship is, but thanks be to God, I can always, always, always walk through life triumphant with victory. Through all of his problems, through all the misunderstandings that he had with people, in this moment, Paul was able to break out in a praise. This praise was born out of the assurance that Paul had and has in the Lord. He trusted in God. He says in this verse, he says, I am confident, I am certain that God will lead me to triumph. Therefore, I am going to give him praise. After all, we do not fight for victory. We celebrate because of victory. Come on, look at that. We don't fight for victory. Our battle is not against one another. We don't fight for victory. We don't have to fight for victory. The battle has already been won. Victory is already established. Therefore, we celebrate. We celebrate because the victory that's set before us. We're not called to be under the circumstances, but we're called to live free and travel lights in the triumph of Christ. We are called to share the yoke with Jesus, to allow him to lead us and to guide us. We're called to celebrate because of the victory that he's made possible for each and every one of us. Yeah, we're going to have problems with people. Even Jesus had problems with people. 
question is, do you have a clear conscience? Do you have a compassionate heart? Are you grabbing a hold of that conquering faith this morning? You may be dealing with all sorts of baggage of difficult people today, but I challenge you to do an examination of your life, not of their life. I'm sure you've already done that one. Yes? Well, I can tell you what's wrong with them right now. And we begin to list the things. But nowhere in the Bible does it tell us to do the list for them, but it says, do the list in us. Examine yourself. Check things out on your own. Take a look inside and see if Jesus is there. If not, wow, you're missing the mark. I challenge you today, do an examination of your hearts. Take a look at what's happening on the inside of you. Ask the question again. Does your life contain a clear conscience, a compassionate heart, and a conquering faith? If not, what needs to change? Well, they just need to be nicer to me. No. You can't change them. starts with you and it starts with saying God I can't do this by myself God I've had it up to here I am tapped out so Lord I need you to take control it starts by giving it to God